Welcome to the Meltzone Podcast. This is episode 58. I'm Tom. And I'm Stefan. And on today's episode, we again talk about, of course, Tom's new studio. I might be getting a new studio very soon. But other than that, um, a quick word on a, well, quite recent drama about the 3D printing website, All3DP, who has been stealing creator content and well, using images and, and things like that out of context on their website and how they are or want to change their policy there and maybe in the future even like license, properly license content from content creators if they're using that on their website. Then uh, on other news, BCN 3D, uh, the maker of the, Tom helped me out, uh, the... The Sigma 3D printers, the IDEX, no, it's not, it, it's IDEX, <laughs> 3D printers, they are getting into the resin 3D printing market, but not with, with the typical resin 3D printing, uh, where you have a resin that, uh, and you expose the resin with a laser or an LCD screen, but a very novel approach, um, where they can use very special resins for higher strength materials, and maybe even do multi-material resin printing. Really interesting. The uh, technology is called VLM. So more on that in a bit. Um, then we talk a bit about Prusa's recycled PETG filament, how they analyzed the life cycle of the material and the CO2 footprint and how much um, yeah, CO2 they're actually saving if you are buying recycled materials and also real post-consumer recycled PLA because Prusa is only using like the waste from their filament production and not really failed 3D prints. Uh, yeah, there is a, a German company called the uh, Recycling Fabrik uh, where you can send in your failed 3D prints and they will give you um, a store credit and will recycle your material into new filament that you can then buy in the end. Which is really nice, challenging, and I highly appreciate that they are working on that topic. And then one more topic about Prusa. There is some more news um, that were shared about the Prusa XL and uh, about their hot end design. Kind of poking fun uh, at the Revo that E3D have recently released because they are sharing some design cues there. Um, we comment on the now released and now completely funded, overfunded Anchor 3D printer that is on Kickstarter um, and what that seems to be offering and where it fits into the, the grand scheme of 3D printers that are available. And lastly, one question uh, from you guys. What if Stefan's Volcano adapters were made out of copper? Would that be a benefit or a downside? Great. Stefan. Why, 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 why do you look different? What's, what's your hair, your glasses? You, you like a, you like a new person. Yeah, I, I look like a new person. <laughs> well, the hair is constantly growing. It's, it, it just got to the point where I either need to do it the way you did it last time, or I need to go to the hairdressers next week. Probably do the latter thing. <laughs> yeah, we have the one strand running down to your nose. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's getting annoying. It's getting really annoying, and especially when the the sp spring and summer is coming, I can't really deal with all of the hair on my head. It's just getting me too warm. 
But yeah, new glasses. Uh, after these are my second pair of glasses I ever had after like six Ooh. years having my first pair. Uh, I thought, yeah, it's finally the time to invest in, in a second one. Yeah, works out. I mean, I've been wearing glasses since I was like seven or eight. So yeah. I've, I've done, I've gone through plenty of pairs. Um, but yeah. It's nice to have a new, uh, it's nice to have a new set of glasses, even though my, like my vision didn't really get that much worse. But the glasses were scratched and old and yeah. just not working that perfectly anymore. You, you don't notice it uh, when they're when they're slowly degrading and they just mm. it, you, you look into a light. Like I've got my studio mm. lights around here, and it's just like oh, there's <laughs> like a, a little bit of, of haze around them. I wonder where that's yeah. from. Then you get new glasses, and it's like mm, I didn't <laughs> know stuff could look this yeah. good. I was I was really upset because when I got my new glasses, like for the first day, I was feeling really dizzy and yeah. and I was even my stomach wasn't feeling that 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 good. And I thought, okay, you paid so much for these glasses, uh, they better gonna work. And then this is happening, but it got way better yeah, now. And I can even days. sit in front of my uh, my 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 displays again with my glasses which i usually don't do and i only do for the for the looks here <laughs> this podcast no <laughs> just kidding yeah but they, they look they look great on you so audio listeners sorry um maybe do, do you have those on, on your twitter profile well not yet somewhere not yet just just get us give us a style update J just yeah. look at my sponsor spots from the last video <laughs> right this is the only time i show my my, my face my pretty face <laughs> right right so mm. yeah something different about, about me here as well so as you can tell first podcast from the new studio space so i've just take taken my old um studio equipment put it in here plonked it in here and it's set up in exactly the same way um but of course now there's the um the entrance way and uh my big gate behind me um so lighting audio all that stuff still being figured out um hopefully i get the echo edited out but new space really cool we talked about this last time i think when, we, when i was still recording from the um from the old studio but i wasn't yeah. actually moved over here yet yeah, no, it's really nice to see what you what you accomplished in the last three or four weeks. It was definitely a lot of work, but it's the right move. And yeah, yeah. And Perfect. even 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 if I do don't do it for like channel growth, um, I'm doing it for myself just to give myself more space and to get out of the basement mm. studio. What are you doing with all of the space that you're now having in your basement? I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know. I I mean, I could. <laughs> I could turn it into a printer farm or something. It seems to be all the rage. Um, so Joel just got <laughs> how many? 20, 28, 20. some 20 something uh, Mark threes yeah. uh, to turn into a printer farm. But uh, did you know where he's, uh, what he's doing with that? If he's like got a printing I service set up or something? Don't have a clue. I was asking myself the same thing. And I was especially asking myself the thing because I wasn't aware that you can still make like a decent income with just a 3d printing service <laughs> i guess if you've got it like figured out where you don't have to spend that much time on each print yeah i guess then it can work if you if you just have one printer um mm. it's just too much hassle uh i think you're if, yeah. if you're not doing like on-demand printing of models from other people and are doing right. it kind of in a way that uncle jesse's for example doing it like selling resin prints of 
moving dragons or yeah. I don't know. I've never printed one of these. We have curated models, basically. You have curated models because then you set it up once that it works, yeah. that it looks nice and that it's, then it, that it's fast. And then it is just really easy for you because you, you know what you're doing. You can, uh, you know what you need to charge to not, uh, to not like, pay more than uh than than you're getting from the customer and most, uh, you you could even pre-produce those yeah most importantly you, you're cutting out all that back and forth between you and the customer where it's like hey mm. i've got this part i want to print mm. and you go well actually it's got a 0.5 millimeter wall that's not going to come mm. out well and then the guy's mm. like well but could we change it and that that takes so much mm. time that takes probably three or four times as much time as, as if you yeah. just have your, your models wave we've licensed them from the from the yeah. creator and just print and sell those and when you are valuing your time you very quickly notice that even just like paying uh, uh, writing one email basically costs you five dollars yeah at least yeah <laughs> I've, I've, I've not responded to email for months I'm saving I do that. so much money. <laughs> You're saving so much money. I, I basically do that every uh, every Monday, and it always like takes me half a day, or it, it yeah. at least it feels like a whole day of just replying to emails. Yeah, I I, I still get a lot of. I, it's it's been good for a while, but now that they're starting back up, I'm getting emails like, "Hey, can you help me with understanding this concept?" Or I'm a student and I want to do this. I'm like. <sighs> I can't help you. I'm sorry. I it, it would be unfair if I say, "Hey, I'm not gonna. I'm, I don't have the time to help people." And then I, then, then I still engage mm. with someone, mm. and, and I'm like, "Hey, yeah, but this and this and this," because it easily takes you half an hour just to 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 respond to one email. Because then you research and you do that, and it's like, mm. yeah, it just gets too much. Yeah. Ah, well, well, well. That's why I need to. Uh... I don't know, get a manager, get a producer, or, or, or just a secretary to do stuff like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, my, I my, my mom working for me part-time, that's that's actually been really yeah. good. Um, so she does all the administrative and mostly sponsor coordination and all that. That's that's actually been really good. Mm. No, that's that's really nice. And just sieving through the emails, through the avalanche of emails that yeah. that one usually gets, uh, this, this can be really helpful in the end. We'll see, we'll see. Um, yeah, and and one of the reasons I'm also maybe getting a, a new office space or my first office space is having the opportunity to hire somebody because I can't hire someone if I have my studio in my yeah I tried it doesn't work out own house <laughs> that does not but for you that was years ago that was years ago four or five years ago yeah, yeah. so no. Don't even want to start that. And of course, you could say, okay, you can work from remote. But um, since for me, the things I have in mind for somebody that I would like to hire, yeah, it's not only remote, remote work. Um, it just needs to be somebody here from true, the region. True. I, I thought about that too. Like, it, of course, that one of the reasons I'm, I'm getting the space is the same as you is to, to be able to hire someone at least part time. Um, we have like a thirty hour week or something. Um, is for them to work for for someone to work with me. Mm -hmm. Um, and 
could you do that remote? I mean, you, you want to be a, a modern employer and you want to be able mm. to say, hey, we've got like digital first and remote and all that. But mm. the thing is, we are working with physical things. We are working with 3D prints, with projects, with stuff that you have to hold in your hand. Um, and sure, you don't have to do like a five-day work week where, where you know, if you have to come in every day, not necessary. But you still have to have a central spot where you have your stuff, where you have uh, meetings, where you work on a project together, on a physical project. It mm. just, it, yeah, even even editing is, is hard if you don't have the person who's editing it on set mm. with you. And I've, yeah. I've had, I've had an editor do videos on and off, um, every now and then, but it's just, it's so much overhead, just mm. even just transferring stuff back and forth, communicating your creative vision, making sure mm. they know what's, what's important and what's not. Yeah. It, it has to be someone who's here <laughs> at least some parts of the week, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. So I did a talk last week at a university right, right. around the corner. Yeah. I saw the about about uh from engineer to influencer i called it really yeah. like <laughs> I, um uh, where it just talked about how did i become a, a content creator on youtube and how youtube gives somebody a platform to do educational videos and make a living from it yeah uh, which was really interesting and more people joined that I thought. Um, I did not really promote it beforehand because I did my presentation like just quickly before that and I did not want to get embarrassed in front of too many people. So I just tweeted it out once it started. Uh, anyways, I, I also said there yeah, that I will probably be getting uh, a new office space and if somebody's around here um, who maybe has an interest in engineering maybe has some creative experience and wants to get just like a normal student job because as i said the university is right around the corner and i know that many who are living here in in in, in town also go there every day uh please contact me unfortunately nobody contacted me yet it might be really a, it might be a real bad thing working for for an influencer youtuber <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, it also kind of depends on where you're at. Um, yeah, of course you've got the university around, um, but it, there's, there's just a low density of people who mm. do the stuff that we need. Right. Um, yeah. because I mean, ideally you, you'd, you'd be looking for someone like you who, uh, can do the engineering side, who can do, <laughs> um, script writing and who can do editing. Yeah. But that is something that that is years of practice to do it right and to mm. do it to a level where it's where it's publishable. So yeah. ideally, you want someone who, you know, as an except down. I don't want to say down, but specialization <laughs> is good. Who just just does one of those things? So either mm. uh, engineer, writer, or an editor. Mm. I think that that makes more sense. But then you you can't full time employ someone who just does editing because you just don't you, you don't have the production capacity to keep them to keep them busy. Well, it's that, that 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 first bit is is the trickiest one. Once you've got five employees, it's going to be fine. Yeah. CNC kitchen <laughs> we, enterprises. CNC kitchen enterprises. Yeah, we, we are not at that point yet. But at, at some point, you need to think about scaling up your business. Otherwise, it kills you in terms because it needs a lot of dedication from yourself, and it doesn't give you the opportunity to really grow anymore 
you can't yeah that, that that's what i'm saying with specialization right if you have somebody mm. who specializes in editing and who does that mm. really really well the amount of time they put into the editing mm. um is going to give you a much better t better end result than if you put mm. in the same amount of time so yeah. not only is it going to be more efficient cheaper maybe um it's also going to give you a better result yeah um yeah we will see we will see um how that's gonna get together maybe maybe talking about content creation and uh and writing stuff up uh let's maybe get into the first topic or this was already the first topic or do you still have something to say on on, on that remark uh no i'm just watching you edit the show notes and i'm confused <laughs> what what our first topic is going to be because we have two that kind of fit into that. This episode is sponsored by Linode. Linode is your solution for anything that you want to run in the cloud, aka Linode's data centers around the world. They offer everything from a $5 a month virtual server that can handle a simple website, service, or game server, and scale all the way up to setups with dedicated CPU cores, hundreds of gigabytes of RAM, and dedicated Quadro RTX 6000 GPUs. Deploy your own software on Linode's virtual Linux servers, or use one of their solutions for managed hosting or one-click marketplace installs of popular tools like WordPress, Moodle, or Discourse. You can even use it for your personal projects when setting up your own VPN or running a game server for Terraria, Minecraft, or CSGO. Whether you're developing a personal project or managing larger workloads, you deserve a simple, affordable, and accessible cloud computing solution. Cut your cloud bills in half with Linode's transparent and affordable pricing. Develop, deploy, and scale your modern applications faster and easier. Linode offers 24-7, 365 days a year, human support for all of your projects. Get started on Linode today with a $100 in free credit for listeners of The Melt Zone. You can find all of the details at linode.com slash themeltzone or in the show notes below. I thought about this one at first. Okay, so all 3DP. Stealing content is, is what I think I've titled it. Mm. Um, yeah. All3DP is a big 3D printing Self-proclaimed biggest 3D printing news blog. Voice of 3D printing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm going to rant. Why, why, why don't you start this one? <laughs> <laughs> no worries. So they have been writing very search engine optimized content for the last couple of years and i have noticed that they have been using screenshots of my videos and images from like my blog for quite a while as just parts to illustrate their content or and sometimes even just to have a nice clickable thumbnail yeah they're basically using and, videos as sources for stock photos yeah exactly free sources of stock photos <laughs> currently still free uh, sources of stock photo and i have been contacting them uh, one two three years back and said okay that's that's not all right uh, they deleted that image that they used at that point but in the end they still went on just doing exactly the same same thing and uh, when was it like three weeks ago adam from vector 3d also complained that they have been using one of his really nice images as a thumbnail image for the best 3d printing nozzles of 2022 or something like that yeah as i said Generic search engine article on headline exactly 
And he kind of used his, 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 his range reach on, 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 on Twitter to, to rant about that. And all 3DP contacted him, uh, and, uh, talked to him and figured something out. And I also said, yeah, they have been doing that for, for years on my side as well. There's still plenty of pictures used from from my content as well still on their website i haven't really ranted about that because for once i didn't want to go to a lawyer i have better mm. things to do yeah and on the other hand i did not want to be the person who's always ranting about things anyways um but i still took the opportunity to point out that it has been the same thing on my side as well yeah unfortunately so and what I, what I need to say? Okay, uh, just just to, just to weigh in here real quick. Um, yeah. So they've been using my stuff as well uh, for years. Um, when all three D P were still like a teeny weeny three people team uh, back when they were starting, I think this was like six seven years ago or something. Mm. Um, I I think I met with them two or three times there from Munich, so they're not that far away. Um, and at the end, they were like, "Hey, can we can we like turn your videos into articles?" And I was like. Sure, I guess. I guess. I mean, yeah, that that works. A couple of years later, I was like, oh, "Well, you guys are, are pretty trashy now. Uh, let's maybe stop that." Um, but they still continue to use all the screenshots and and all mm -hmm. the, the the screen grabs um, they had from my mm -hmm. videos out of context, like you were saying. Same for me. I contacted them. Mm -hmm. I, I ranted about it. Was like, eh, "Stop that." They continued, mm -hmm. and then I got onto onto Anatole, um, the the CEO. I was like, dude, you really need to stop this. I'm going to bring a lawyer next time. And they, they pulled all my images. So good on my side there. I didn't, I didn't sue them. I didn't bring a lawyer. I was just like, dude, stop. This is not okay. <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, so I, I also had a talk with, with Anatole, one of the uh, CEOs of uh, the company. I had the talk like two weeks ago and I also told them, that my impression was that the content that they have been creating the last years isn't content I really want to have my my images at because they're easy articles with two-thirds affiliate links yeah. and advertisement ba it's, banners. It's the classic listicles. Yeah, exactly. And uh yeah basically he said okay yeah they have been talking about that so wh what they are doing a lot is they are using uh freelance writers they have a list of topics and a freelance writer can just pick one of these topics write an article about that um provide all of the images and, and things like that they do the um the uh, uh plagiarism checking plagiarism yeah is that plagiarism whether they're stealing uh, content whether they're stealing content um, on the text side. I was going to say, yeah, on the text side. But <laughs> <laughs> on the text side, but not on the other side. I I do have to say to say they have been putting like sources under all of the True. images. The source, CNC Kitchen or Thomas Sanladra or whatever. But for once, Germany doesn't have a, um, a fair use policy. Yep. And on the other side... It, this wasn't really fair use what they were doing. Yeah. They were using images totally out of context. Isn't isn't there now a fair use clause with the with the Article 13 reform? 
I thought there was be. something included there. Yeah, yeah, but it I mean it would be fine-ish, I guess fair mm. use and everyone would accept that would be fair use if it's mm. hey, cool YouTuber does project or you know, YouTuber does cool project. Like what Hackaday is doing, for example. Exactly. And then use a yeah. use a screenshot as yeah. the title image. That's that's fine. But what they were doing was just taking uh screen caps out of the video where mm. you showed a, a nozzle and using that for like 10 best nozzles. Um exactly. without any reference to the video. So yeah. that's not okay. Um so I told them how it is, uh, how how I see what what they are doing, how I feel about them using my images, and they said, okay, they will start changing their policy, and for the articles of the future, if they are using images out of context, they will be contacting the creator of these images or videos or wherever these these uh, screenshots are, are coming from and we'll discuss with them whether they are able to license these just similar to stock photos. And if you're not responding, they won't use the image. If you are responding and agreeing on the on the license terms, on the, the fee basically that they're paying, um, you're going to get a certain amount of money um, yeah. and they will license the image, which is fair and is yeah. the thing they should have been doing for the last five six seven years exactly well let's hope they they stick to that and actually do that properly um it's the thing they should be doing anyways like you're saying this is yeah. like what they were doing before is a clear copyright breach yeah. but yeah we will see it, we will see it's <laughs> I was a bit harsh when I talked to him and also the impression that I have about all 3DP and, and how to what it has evolved over the last years. Maybe I am biased in a way just because they were treating me in the past, but I think it was still good feedback to one of the CEOs and all 3DP just I mean, as he told me, it has been becoming quite a big company. So it's not just like, two yeah. guys writing a couple of articles they've, it's they've it's grown. a company um and they've got they've got other stuff too they've got a uh, 3d printing comparison uh 3d printing service comparison thing too yeah um that's one of the, the big developments now mm. um i mean anatole is a very approachable guy so very very likable person um definitely and he has been in the business for for many many years i grew up with uh the Bravo Screen Fun uh, magazine yeah. when I was young, where he wrote articles about video games. Yeah, but I'm just not sure about the the monster he built or he helped build. <laughs> Whether that's that that. So the thing so the thing is, I I don't. I'm I'm always somebody who usually feels bad if if I'm asking for a licensing fee or something like that, but. This has been becoming a really big company. They make a lot, a ton of revenue yeah. with the articles where they're using images from other creators. And if they want to do that in, in the future, they need to license these images if, if they're used out of context. I'm totally fine if Hackaday or which, whichever other site is, is using, is using screenshots from my videos if they're writing about the video, because that's, that's totally fair use. But if it's out of context, they're just making affiliate money with the work that I did. And that's not right. This is, in my opinion, really stealing from me. I, 
I thought or I asked myself if I'm a bit ambivalent. Um, if I, since, since I'm sometimes also like using screen caps from other websites or, or video snippets from other channels to, to illustrate things no, in my videos. Yeah. But not, not ambivalent, but like, yeah, people know. I, I, I'm like yeah. the word too. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I always have the impression that if I'm, well, using other content, I do this within the context to illustrate yeah. things. I you, you link them in the video description. To that. I reference right. them. Um, so I think this is fine. If, if somebody has a different idea or a, a different impression, how, how to handle that, please let me know. But yeah, as I, as I said, I, I, I'm not really happy what all 3DP did in the past, but I'm totally fine if, if websites like Hackaday are using screenshots, if, if it's, if it's in context, if it's fair use yeah. and if they're talking about an article. Yeah. That's all 3DP. Let's see <laughs> what they do in the future. Yes. Looking forward to. Let's move on. So next one, BCN3D VLM. This is a, a, Less less meta topic. Let's let's get back onto the hard three D printing topics here. BCN three D known for uh, IDEX printers, so dual independent X axis printers. Um, no independent. I, I got the order of words wrong there, but um, they've been doing filament printers, dual extrusion, good machines, um, and they're now getting into resin. But they're not just doing an LCD resin print. In fact, is it? What, what process is that even? They're not just doing the LCD where you have your resin vat and you pull the part out of that. Um, they're doing that reversed. So what they've got is VLM. Of, what does VLM even stand for? Viscous, viscous lithography vis manufacturing. Okay. Um, viscous as in high viscosity. So they are, first of all, they're using a very high viscosity resin as their base material. And they're also flipping the process upside down. So they're not directly dunking the, the part or the platform into the resin. They're actually transferring the resin onto a transfer film first, similar to, I don't know, a, a printing, not a printing press, but laser toner-based printers are, are kind of doing mm -hmm. that, uh, where they're transferring the toner onto a film first, and then they're using that to transfer it onto your paper or print in this case mm. so they've got a resin coated film they're pulling over that they're, 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 they're stretching and then they're pressing it onto your part and then it's exposing through that film uh, just the areas that you want printed so basically you've got this upside down resin coated film um, and yeah that 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 basically allows them to use uh, very thick resins which have some technical advantages, right? A, a thicker resin, as far as I, I know from talking to resin manufacturers, allows them to uh, use longer polymer chains um, or to use um, resins that have more polymer uh, content to them, meaning you get a stronger part. You don't rely on the uh, on the resin polymerizing through the light, but you've got more of the finished high-performance material in there already. Um, and high viscosity stuff you can't typically use in a in a vat based printer because it's it's just too thick. It would suck up your your uh, your FEP film every time. Um, so that and also what they're experimenting with, though I don't think they've got any examples of that, is multi material printing. So yeah. because you're not dunking your part fully into the resin and you're not basically coating your part in resin every time, um, you can use a a different 
resin bath and a different film and use that to apply a different material to your to your part. So dual material uh, resin printed. Pretty cool stuff. Really interesting. So they, was it a press conference? So there isn't any real material out there where you see a machine in action or a real part. It's, it's more than a concept. They are developing the technology as, as it looks and they just wanted to get out what they are really working on and how different that technology is from normal SLA 3D printing um, to also other 3D printing technologies like like jetting or um, whatever you have there. And it is a really cool approach. It will definitely not be something for the home gamer. Um, No. They're saying here solutions under 50,000 euros. So so it's it's probably a machine. 50,000. <laughs> yeah, for 49,900 probably. <laughs> Without tax. <laughs> yeah, plus uh, the support contract. Yeah. But uh, what I, I think what they want to do with such a machine, which can do fast printing and, and strong printing, is um, they want to have basically a, a replacement for low volume um, injection molding. Which is the dream that every 3D printer manufacturer is going after, right? But this could be one where it actually works out. Uh, yeah. Because you, you, you just get immensely... So that they're saying, first of all, the, the resin of itself is 50 times more viscous, which is quite a, a lot. Um, and that gives them three times the impact resistance and pl- two, plus 200%, which is also three times uh, the tear mm-hmm. strength of industry standard resins so of course and- there is quite a bit of there's quite a range uh as far as resin performance goes especially when it comes to impact resistance but mm. yeah um they're not limited by screen sizes of lcds well that is the question i don't know if they're using a projector well in the end you still have have pixels that you need uh or where you need some kind of a screen, but it, I think it's I, what they're doing is on, on a larger scale than normal. So from, from looking at the animation, it looks like it is actually an LCD. Okay. Um, so just looking at where it says multi-material 3D printing and you see mm-hmm. the dual materials thing, um, mm-hmm. it looks like it is a standard LCD, which is fine. I mean, you can get pretty large LCDs now, um, mono LCDs even. They expose really fast. Um, it's that's a that's a fine process. Yeah. Um, of course, it's patented. It's a <laughs> quote patented breakthrough lithography-based three printing <laughs> process. So, uh, uh, yeah. So fifty thousand. That's that's what it's going to cost, and uh, nobody else is going to make a better version of it. Well, the thing is, this is not a process that looks so simple as normal SLA 3D printing so that you can like easily copy it for a home gamer machine. But on is the it? other hand, you have all of the rollers, you have the resin vats, you need special resins, you need to code it. Well, of course. We, we've got, I mean, we've got more complicated printers than this. We've got belt printers figured out for the most part. Um, <laughs> this isn't that different. Yeah, of I, course you could be right there. Yeah, we'll, but we'll never know, unfortunately. 
in 20 years we all know yeah um <laughs> looking forward to 2042 yeah um well on the other hand maybe uh, there there is a way to make it even better i i still think that the idea idea is really interesting to to code this transparent sheet of material with that thick resin then just move it over yeah your parts and then just expose the areas that that needs to be exposed and then you get everything back into the vat and scrape off the uh the well material that you don't need anymore yeah and since you can have these two vats on both sides it, it does open the opportunity uh to have support structure with another material or to do really like multi-material printing for different uh, uh properties in your parts I'm, I'm just maybe this high viscosity resin is even handling like filled resins better than the really thin ones that we possibly. use on our SLA 3D printers possibly. um but I'm, I'm just wondering how the how the dual material stuff is actually going to work because you're still touching the entire resin yeah. surface to the part so you you're going to have a film of basically your your other material on it and then you push the the second thing <laughs> into it i was wondering that uh, as well to be honest but I don't know. Maybe there is a cleaning, uh, a, a cleaning process that can happen in between. Some, some wiper going over the part. Some wiper, or you. Well, you could say if you just if you just want to do like uh, two different colors, maybe just wiping it off. Uh, well, colors would bleed into each other. Maybe it's just marketing material, and it doesn't it, they haven't really figured that out? <laughs> yeah, because I mean, what they're showing is a so they are showing an actual uh, single material printing process that is that mm. seems to be working, um, but they're not showing any actual dual material printing happening, other than mm. an animation. Um, mm. And yeah, we need to be very clear: this is mostly just three D renderings. Um, there's yeah. very little uh, video material and image material of the actual real machine, the prototype that they built. Uh, it's mm, all three in this. So, is there even a picture of a real machine? Well, you can see the close-ups of the of the print happening, but you can't. There's no, as far as I see, there's no okay. images of the finished machine. I guess it's yeah. just it's it's looking very much like a prototype. Um, if some if somebody's interested um on that technology and in that topic uh there has been like a, a one hour video uh, released by uh BCN3D where they unveiled their viscous lithography manufacturing process where they go a bit more into the details okay. and there's even more marketing shenanigan going on <laughs> yeah uh BCN3D is a I find are, are, are an interesting company because that they're, they're trying to be Ultimaker. Um, they're, they're trying so hard, um, <laughs> but they're, they, they don't quite make it there. They've got, they've got mm. their own unique stuff that makes them worth looking into. But I, I feel like that, that they're really trying to push to, to be the next Ultimaker. Um, mm. that, that, that's the vibe that I'm getting off of the, um, which one did I test the yeah. R? I don't know what, what their, what the regular Sigma is called that, that I tested. Yeah, B R something twenty three twenty. I I don't know, man. But yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, I, I, I'd love to see this this machine up close at some point, um, and the results once it's there, once it's working. Maybe at Form Next this this year or something like that. Yeah. At least they might have a mock up or something like that. Yeah, or some some prints. I don't know. <laughs> it's just interesting to see that also a company that 
was just purely doing filament before is, is now like venturing in resin 3D printing, but not really conventional resin 3D printing. BCM 3D were never about the conventional stuff. Well, I guess yeah. they had, did they have, did they have a simple print at some point or was it all Sigmas? I think they started with Sigma. That was BQ that had the, the Hephaestus and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I might be mixing them up. Both Spanish companies. Um, yeah. But yeah, BCM 3D was incubated in a in a university environment and they ended up spinning off of that university and are now a completely separate entity. So I guess this is now where they're really turning up the knob to 11. Cool. Maybe a quick talk if, if we ha- had been on the topic of form next. Do you already have plans for Murph? Not decided yet? Or decided I, that you won't I, be going? I, I, don't, I don't think I'm going to go. Okay. Nah. Very unfortunate. I would have been looking forward to. Um, because I, I think I, I will be going. Um, I don't know. I really want to meet people again. I really missed not being at Murph the last two years. I really miss being in the US, to be totally honest. I don't know why, but I always have romantic feelings for the US. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's it's so different yet so similar it's it's weird yeah um, so yeah I, I saw your tweets about it and i was like oh. <laughs> think about it i'll probably be be yeah. booking flights in the next one or two two weeks uh i will probably be going earlier just a day earlier to to chicago to have a a more in-depth look at the city uh in comparison to last time where we had an hour and we def- we actually did not have that I hour because say, that yeah. was the hour that we were missing <laughs> at the airport. Um, uh, never boarded a flight that late. <laughs> me neither, at least not an international one. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm just looking forward to. Um, I would be really hoping to see a list of sponsors uh, to see who will be really coming, and uh, because this is also something that attracts more or less people. But yeah. I have heard from many from the community that they will be coming. Uh, I think Joel said that he's going to be there. Um, and a bunch of other guys. It, it kind of makes sense when you're not having to do like 10 hours of international traveling. Um, yeah. And that's a bit more laid back. I, I don't know. <laughs> don't, don't, don't count on me. Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to ask. <laughs> uh-huh. but, if you, but if you change your mind, uh, let me know. Yeah. For sure. Cool. All right. Let's stay on the on this side of the big pond. Um, news from Prusa. Or I guess this this is a this is a quick one. Um, Prusa now have recycled filaments. Uh, hold on, cookie banner. I need to reject you real quick. Um, they're now Prusa are now doing recycled PTG um, or PTG. Um, I guess eventually they want to move on to PLA as well, but they've got RPTG. There is, so it's it's a bit different than to what you've seen in the space when it comes to PTG or RPTG recycled stuff. Um, because what they first of all have done is a life cycle assessment um, where they're saying, okay, if we make uh, a spool of filament from virgin unused fresh out of the factory ptg um, then that generates how much 5.85 kilograms of co2 is that for one kilogram i think it is yeah Um, Yeah. 5.85 kilograms of co2 equivalent i guess um, for virgin stuff and 2.55 kilograms for recycled uh, ptg 
So they've got a reduction of 57% in emissions. Um, it's actually quite a bit more CO2 than, than I expected a spool of PTG to have. 5.76 uh, kilograms? Hold on, wasn't this just 5.85? Something like almost 6 kilograms of CO2 mm. for one spool of filament. Uh, it's quite a bit, actually. Um, oh, and they're also doing uh, recycled PLA. Right. And interestingly, very similar footprints of CO2 emissions uh, for PLA as with PTG. So basically the same five and three quarters a kilogram and two and a half for the recycled stuff. Yeah, um, yeah so they're doing that. They're, what this kind of ties into the next sort of topic that we're doing, um, what they're doing is they are using um, production waste essentially. So um, I guess spools that aren't good or material that they've primed out of their extruder that doesn't get um, f shaped into filament, into spools mm -hmm. or other stuff. You know, uh, production process is not 100% efficient. Um, and they're turning you, that into RPTG. No. The really interesting thing right here, um, they kind of show that pretty nicely is the challenges they already have in their company because like Prusa or Prusa meant they always said, okay, they have really tight tolerances on the diameter and color and things like that. Um, using this, well, recycled material, they are not able any anymore to reach the plus minus, I think, 0 0.02 millimeters of diameter variance. They had to increase the tolerance quite a bit, probably because like the shredded up material is not flowing as nicely through the extruder as, as the pellets. Probably not, the, just not as consistently. Um, you don't have that, that consistent of a, of a pellet diameter anymore. So, um, the recycled material that they're selling does not have the quality of the new material. But if you're not doing like really precise production prints and or I don't know, rather doing a bit more crude stuff. Um, this might be something that, that would be interesting. Is the price lower than a standard spool? I guess it is a bit at least. Um, but colors all, are all going to be different. So if you're buying a spool of recycled material, the one roll doesn't look as another one and even within one spool, there might be variations yeah. um, within the color, which might be totally okay for functional parts. Um, but this is just one of the challenges when you need to work or when you want to work with recycled materials. Yeah, yeah. so um, in details here, so guaranteed manufacturing precision is 50 micron, um, mm -hmm. plus minus 0 0.05 millimeter. And the price is a bit lower than the standard stuff. So they're yeah. selling the two kilogram spools for 47 euros, including that. Yeah. In comparison to 60 euros for two kilos of, um, yeah. like virgin or not virgin, but, uh, um, really new Prusament. Yeah. So that's that. And the, the CO2 equivalent, um, as I say, counts basically everything. So acidification, you drop. Phosphification, phosphate, <laughs> what is that? Phosphate oxide, quote, 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 I don't know. And um, uh, nitrous oxide. 
uh, methane, all that stuff that's getting um, emitted uh, and has a um, a warming effect, essentially. So that's Prusament. Um, more than cutting down the CO2 equivalent on the PLA, if you get the recycled stuff. The other recycling topic we have today, and this kind of ties together because they're, they're kind of press briefing very much ties into, hey, we're better than Prusament because we're actually recycling post-consumer materials, is uh, the German company or startup uh, Recycling Fabrik. Um, so they are a, a team of, of three guys um, who are actually collecting um, your old prints. So the way that their stuff works is um, they send you a shipping label. You put your stuff in a box, uh, you send it to them, and you get points, depending on how good your, your material is that he sent in. Um, they recycle it into new filament, and you can buy fresh spools from them. So um, basically their point system is you can get up to two euros per kilogram of sent in. I think they're just doing PLA now. Um, you get up to two euros of store credit um, depending on how good your, your material mix is. So if you've got mm -hmm. a lot of other materials in there, um, then they, they down rank you down to uh, 60, 80... 40? 40 cents. 40 cents per kilogram. Okay. If you've got like a real rough mix of everything. Um, but yeah. You get Which is not a ton, to be totally honest, uh, because like a kilogram of, of new material on a spool is, is 20 bucks. So if you're sending in one kilogram of your leftovers, you can save like 10% on, on a new roll of material. Yeah, I guess I guess it's it's actually less than what they would be paying for for Virgin uh, PLA, mm -hmm. as far as the store credit goes. But of course, you have to add the shipping cost on top of mm -hmm. it. Um, yeah, of course. So shipping, shipping. <laughs> Why would you want to ship a two kilogram box of filament around? So that the minimum, the uh, what's it called, the minimum trade in amount that you can do per package mm -hmm. is two kilograms if you're sending from germany or seven kilograms if you're sending from the eu because they are paying for your shipping they're sending you a shipping label that you don't have to pay for mm. um isn't that ecologically worse than just buying fresh stuff um so what they're what they're doing is they're using the um, the german posts um go green option which is co2 compensation so somewhere I don't know, somewhere in, in, in Brazil, a forest doesn't get cut down um, because you're, you're compensating. So it's not, it's not really, there's still emissions from the shipping process, right? Those, <laughs> those don't get taken out. Um, mm. It's just getting compensated. Um, and also they have a limit of how much filament that they want it to take. So they at most currently are taking 100 trade-ins or 100 shipments per month and those are already all used up uh it is uh, april 8th today so i guess <laughs> you have to be really lucky to actually send stuff in um the, but I, yeah. but the reason for that is just since since they need to go manual manually through the materials um they can't handle a huge amount of of leftover 3d prints and i had a guy also send in i think it was a 30 kilos of leftover pla at some point it was a huge box i was so sorry for the post guy 
but the volume of l leftover 3D printing material is so huge. And just think about it. A 3D Benchy, a 3D Benchy is, I think, around 10 grams of material. 12, 12 grams is what one of the articles is saying, yeah. Yeah, something like that. So you need to print a... You need to have a ton of failed prints to even fill one kilogram of material. And if they are really manually sieving through all of the parts, you have really tiny uh, support structure and things like that. This is a lot of work they need to put into there. And this is also one of the reasons why I think it's really challenging to make such a process worthwhile and to make a business out of that. I think at the moment it might not be really they're not really making any money out of that but the larger you are scaling that the higher the chance is that you can do automatization of of sorting uh materials colors uh maybe even uh things you don't want to have in your filament i had a ton of failed 3d prints from my own unrecycled uh material where i had metal chips in mm. the filament itself how yeah. can you make sure that they that you get rid of these uh it is challenging and if you're then selling this uh recycled material to customers you don't want to upset them with clogged nozzles or really bad prints or inconsistent diameters and things like that yeah it's it's the same challenges that we keep talking about with um recycling what is called post-consumer materials um mm. you just don't have a guarantee for consistency. Yeah. So I don't know if they're they're literally just throwing out um, trade-ins that just have like little tiny parts and just using the bigger failures. Like if uh, even Miranda <laughs> was was sending in some of the print mm. failures, they they would have a they would have a field day on that. Um, <laughs> all red, all really just the, the same material, same grade of, of 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 PLA. Yeah. So that that's like the ideal stuff to to send in yeah. big parts. Um, but like if you if you send in like literally for two bucks a store credit, they'd have mm. to look at a hundred 3D benches and determine, hey, mm. is this PLA, PDG, ABS? Is it some other stuff that looks like PLA? How does it smell? Mm. How does it feel? I don't know how to, how they even determine that. Of course, you can have some contamination in the material and it's still going to print mm. okay, but there's a there's a level where it's just not going to be <laughs> good anymore. It's it's definitely a challenge, and I I appreciate that they're trying this. Um. Yeah, it's uh, it's just a thing of scale, right? Yeah, does it make sense for the for the hobbyists to send in their their old prints for two bucks a store credit? Mm. But I think this system has way more of a future than an approach where either single people or just you yourself have a recycling station at home, because. For once, the equipment is expensive. Yeah. Uh, then you usually don't have a ton of material in the end, and uh, extruding a roll of material also take takes quite a lot of time. Um, so th this will always be way more expensive than just buying new, good working material. But if you are scaling that up, um, and you can, yeah, have automatization for 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 uh, different things, at some point this might be feasible. Definitely. Um, and at a larger scale, it's also working for the post-consumer plastics uh, that we throw in our yellow yellow bags here in Germany. Yeah. 
yellow bags, yellow bins, uh, the <laughs> dual system of recycling, which most of it gets burnt anyway. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so, so, um, I just, I just had a bit more of a read. They're doing 100% recycled materials. So typically when you have recycled, uh, materials, you add a bit of virgin material just to keep it fresh, just to keep mm. the, the properties good, but they're doing a hundred percent for stuff. Are they doing PTG as well? Um, let me see. Oh, so currently they're just doing PLA, but I guess they're sorting out to mm. PTG as well to at some point recycle that. PTG, of course, is the classic because it doesn't degrade that much when it gets heated. So PTG can almost infinitely reheat and remelt. Mm. PLA kind of does degrade. and A bit, and you will notice that um, that the melt viscosity is going to be lower, so you have more stringing, yeah. um, worse overhangs. That's also what... Uh, Prusha Mint is, for example, stating on their website, don't expect prints as well as with new version material because the material will degrade over time. And yeah. this is these are one of the things that you will definitely see. Yeah. But what I, what I do like that they're doing here is that they're kind of sorting this by color. They're not just mixing this into one big bin and saying, hey, we're making we're adding a black master batch and it's, it's just going to be black. <laughs> um, they're actually sorting this into colors. They're adding some master batch to color it into a more consistent color, though you're still mm -hmm. going to get some um, color gradients. Uh, they've got black, of course, uh, but they've also <laughs> got more like an, an anthracite dark gray. They've got a... Uh, What is this? Clay color? Sleeping fl mm. flamingo, they're calling it. Um, they're also showing a couple other um, colors, but... Oh, yeah, there we go. There we go. I was on the wrong page. They've also got like a teal blue um, and some lighter bluish, some green, some... Oh, what is the... I'm I'm wondering if they're changing the colors that are available like every month. Depend well, of course, they need to do that because the... The material they're getting is usually very different. If Ivan Miranda is is <laughs> sending in all of his stuff, it's all gonna be red <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for the next month, uh, which is an interesting approach because how often are you really picking a specific color for a a certain project? How often is that really important to you? you? Yeah. yeah, sometimes it is, but sometimes it just doesn't really matter and if you're just putting a bit of glitter in in any color it's always gonna it's be always nice. gonna be glitter filament yeah <laughs> um yeah so the, the the only two colors you can currently buy is the dark gray and the the, the clay colored all the other ones are sold mm -hmm. out um so i guess they just they I, i don't think they would change the colors uh, because then you would have to sort them differently um but just the, the colors that they can manage to get that's the ones mm. that you can buy yeah Yeah, they're probably going to be sold out due to the article on 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 Heise that released a week ago or something like yeah. that. Yeah, well, they they somebody approached me as well. I don't know if it was them or just somebody else uh, who who saw it, but yeah, yeah, they they did get a bit of of uh, PR out of this. Yeah, no, it's it's really nice, and I I really appreciate that they are tackling that topic. Yeah. There's also the the other German company, QI Tech. Yeah, that gets mentioned. Um, It's also they were also mentioned in the article this is a, a a student startup i talked to them a while ago and what they're doing is they're recycling um, industrial waste into filament yeah. a lot of um polypropylene polyethylene so not the totally conventional materials 
but um, they are doing that as well on a pretty large scale uh, right now. They have actually been renting an old um, supermarket, <laughs> an old Rewe, uh, somewhere in, I, I think, next to Frankfurt or in, in that area. What it's saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, that's which, a that's a good amount of space for for a filament manufacturer. No. Yeah. Works out unless it's a it's a Kaufland or something <laughs> you could really scale up. Uh, no, so uh, I I I think well they're for once doing the uh, the recycling itself, but they are also building recycling machines for other companies. Yeah. I think this is what they want to do. It's it's a bit like uh, what Precious Plastic is doing. Yeah, with the with the bazaar. Isn't isn't uh, Protopasta also still? I mean, at least that they were doing it. That uh, were doing that at some point where they. Of course, make their own filament, but they're also selling the extruders um, that they okay. developed. I, I don't know if they're still I, doing that, but I don't know. Okay. I wasn't aware of that fact. Anyway, yeah, filament recycling. Um, it's challenging. I love that they tackle that. I hope they can manage to scale it um, mm. because if if a hundred shipments, a hundred drop offs a month is all they can handle, then that's going to be rough for three people. Mm. Um, that's not going to be enough um, <laughs> material that they can produce to sustain that. I actually, maybe one last thing. I actually yeah. talked to somebody who is working at a industrial recycling plant for for plastics for the yellow bucket or yellow yeah. yellow um, for our dual plastic recycling system here in Germany and he said that he has been working on that idea as well and they have a lot of sorting machines and things like that and he said that it would be totally feasible to have the ability to to really just send in all material that you have even not sorted of course sorted would be better but to have this automated system of shredding the material then scanning each small pellet for the material and for the color and then uh, just uh, collecting that in different bins and then uh, extruding new material out of that. Yeah, high tech approach. I, I, I doubt, but the recycling fabric thing is is that. Um, no, it, it, it's it definitely be, not. It really, but at a really cool but at a scale, that, yeah. it would be possible. These machines they cost probably millions of of, of yeah. euros. It's it's basically a, a spectrography um, process that yeah. they're doing, right? No. Just seeing what 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 light frequencies get absorbed by the material, and, and with that, yep. you can kind of determine mm. what it is. Um, yeah, cool stuff. Cool stuff. Um, hope it works out. Yep. So next one, Prusa XL. Uh, I, I guess this is just a, a short a short note um, that I <laughs> that I found and and I tweeted about. Um, so Prusa, uh, let me find the tab here. Um, I don't know if this is this is something that they freshly um, published at the time, so mid March, um, where they they've got a Q and A on the Excel um, with a question: Is the Excel compatible with third party nozzles, and does it support hardened nozzles? And that question by itself, it's it's like very specifically, I think, <laughs> uh, going off of Revo not supporting third party nozzles and not having hardened nozzles at all. Mm -hmm. um, and the answer is, yeah, currently Excel uses special nozzles in the Nextruder um, because it is a it is a spin-off um, of Revo or how do I call this? It's, it's sharing some technology from the Revo. Um, it uses special nozzles and they're aiming to provide standard and hardened nozzles at launch. 
that's good. And they expect that third-party nozzles will appear on the market shortly after the launch due to the open source design. So again, very specifically kind of pointing fingers at, at Riva going like, yeah, but uh, ours is open source, yours isn't. We've got hard nozzles, yours doesn't. Um, it's The DXL uses a, a, an E3D hotend, right? It's a, it's a hotend made by E3D um, based on Revo with a couple different uh, design cues. And yeah, Prusa didn't like some things about the Revo, so they, they decided to, to customize uh, the design. And I guess this is this is part of that. Yeah. So it's going to be nice for everyone who is thinking about buying or using one of these machines in the future that you will probably have the opportunity, just as with most other regular printers right now, to buy specific nozzles or specialty nozzles from... Uh, third-party vendors which is nice because often it's it's cheaper and you have the variety of different properties be it high flow be it um, abrasion resistant be it just really nice with a gem <laughs> at the yeah. tip <laughs> just, just looking pretty yeah so that's, so, that's an update on the excel um do you have a shipping date on your excel yet Mm, not that I knew. Okay. Not that that I would no. know. I I think I did not get an email. I didn't they say like third or fourth quarter of of this okay, year. So, so no updates there. No, definitely not. Okay. Right, but what definitely has an update is uh, Anchor. I think we touched yes. on that. We we touched on on the announcement for that. Um, yeah. Last time. Last time, yeah, in the last episode. Yeah. And their Kickstarter is now live. So Anchor, for those of you who don't know, huge company. Um, I, I like their stuff. I'm I'm a I'm an Anchor fan. All my USB cables and stuff are, are Anchor where I can get them. Battery banks, they make good stuff. Um, they're now on 3.5 million euros. Um, converted <laughs> from 3.7 million US dollars out of a $50,000 goal. So that, of course, that goal is pathetic. With uh, six... Reached within one minute. Yeah. <laughs> With 6,000 backers. Yeah. Crazy. So yeah, they, they, they launched their Kickstarter and it's another Ender 3 with a di direct extruder. <laughs> don't, don't be that harsh on it. Come on. Uh, uh, it's, it's I, the the interesting. Uh, of course, it it's it's nicely made. It, it looks as it looks. Well, you have currently taken a look at the at the Snapmaker. Yeah. It is. It looks a bit like a, a Snapmaker, really clean and and something like that. The thing the thing which I found really interesting is that they barely show how the motion system works, and in some pictures you. You get a glimpse of it, and it's also it's also just like V slots, uh, extrusions, and rollers. Of course, it's totally fine because it works, but um, they are really trying to market their printer for the printing speed with 250 millimeters, five times faster than other conventional printers on the market. Yeah, but um, kind of kind of forgetting about inertia, but that's the typical thing that happens. Well, if you just design such a printer. Properly, uh, the, uh, the motors and a, a stiff motion system. Um, of course, that's possible. Um, 2500 uh, millimeters per second square. So that's not crazy accelerations. That is no, my endo three can do that exactly. It, 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 it's <laughs> not going to do it nicely, but 
yeah, it's gonna do. It. For, for reference, I mean, it is a lot faster than, for example, the the Mark Three. Mark Three does a thousand uh, millimeters per second squared. Um, in yeah. the standard profile. In, yeah, in the standard profile, of course. Yeah. So they had, well, they had to make the printer a bit different than than other printers in which look kind of similar or which do have a uh, a similar print space or are popular at the moment the print space is is exactly the same as an ender 3 235 by 235 by 250 um so one thing they're heavily marketing is the print speed um which of course can be working if you have nicely tuned profiles and an emotion system that works the direct extruder definitely helps um with that the thing i found interesting is they that they are not obviously using um an all metal hot end because the max printing temperature is 260 degrees celsius yeah which is a bit unfortunate because that limits you in the materials that you that you can use which and especially because the printer is 760 us dollars msrp um yeah so the 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 problem i typically have with um with teflon land hardens is not that it's that it limits you because most people realistically you know you can print abs you can print pla you can print ptg that's fine but uh aligned hardens typically degrade over time so the teflon yeah. deforms um and it's just going to give you issues at some point and I've, i don't think i've seen one that that just continue working um so that that's more of a of a long term thing um, where that's going to wear out. Uh, one cool feature that they have is apparently they're running their own um, what am I call it top level UI UX. Um, mm-hmm. They are saying they've got a dedicated CPU for modern. So as far as I I've read, it's a three core CPU, like two cores running probably Android, and then one real time core uh, that runs Marlin. Um, okay. Do they say that it runs Marlin? It said Marlin CPU somewhere. So okay. uh, I guess that is that they're saying. So they've got an expert X-Burst CPU in intelligent 3D printing mm-hmm. along with the regular processor Marlin CPU. So okay. I don't know that there, I think there are some chips. Um, for example, the, the BeagleBoard uses some of the TI processors that have uh, just the, the cores for running Linux and then a mm-hmm. real-time core that runs separate firmware mm-hmm. um, that does motion in this case. Either it's something like that or so they're saying it's a three-core het- heterogeneous CPU, 240 megahertz um, for Marlin or for the motion. Then, so that cool. We, we, we'll have to see how moddable that is. Um, but also, they've got a they've got a camera in there. They've got a 1080p camera in there that has an AI camera recognition system. So similar to what we talked about last time, time before last, with the who was it? Yeah, not the spaghetti de- detective. Yeah, those, um, those were the first guys doing that. Yeah. Some somebody else. You guys can probably fix it or, or correct this in the comments. Mm-hmm. Um but they're doing AI print issue detection, saying spaghetti mess, staggered layers, non-sticky first layer, nozzle blockages. So basically your print doesn't look as good as it should. And it's got an an AI loop running uh that detects spaghettis and, and artifacts that don't look like the mm. like a print should look. Yeah. Um, so that I mean that that's it, pretty cool that that's built in. 
Definitely. And I think this is also one of the outstanding things about the machine because this so far hasn't been really been implemented on, on a printer at that price point. And working properly, of course, you can run your own setup with, with Octoprint and Spaghetti Detective, but this is also uh, ev always something that the user needs to do if yeah. you have something integrated. If you have a well-working app, you might get notifications if something's not working That's properly. That's what they're promising, yeah. Yeah. So that is fine because uh, that really helps you run that machine and be sure that you don't get back to the machine after 10 hours and notice that the first layer didn't stick properly. Yeah. Um, and it also seems to tick all the boxes. So um, it's got a PI plate, it's got auto bed leveling, it's got a filament sensor. Um, mm. Resume printing, they're saying supported. So I don't know if that is power failure detection or not. Mm. I, I, I would hope it is. Um, but at, at, at that level of being a premium printer, mm. I hope, I mean, I, I love I just love seeing that they're at least doing those checks, those those little sensors, mm. those improvements that really don't add that much to your to your bomb. Um, yeah, and it, it auto bed leveling. Yeah, I mentioned that. Um, <laughs> okay, sorry. They, they do have their own slicer, probably skin cure. I don't know, uh, but you it's... can use it with any slicer mm -hmm. you want. In one of the images on the Kickstarter page, it definitely just looks like. Quora, which is not bad. No, it's fine. It's totally fine. Yeah. If the uh, the communication, uh, the Wi-Fi communication with the printer itself works properly, if you have, how did Uncle Jesse put it, an app that seems to not suck, um, which just helps you take a look at the print, uh, start, stop, and maybe get a notification when something is not working. That's that's totally that's yeah. totally fine. You don't need. It's a lot better than nothing. On on phone slicing and a connected I don't know model library nobody uses nah. that to be honest. Um, so that's it's nice to see. I find a price point of seven hundred and sixty euros. I don't know what I it's, should think about that because it's on the one hand, fair I think it fits in. It yeah. fits, but it will be challenging against, of course, always uh, comparing it to an Ender 3. Of course, it can do more, definitely more, but... Yeah, but it... you're comparing it against an Ender 3, but you also have to compare it against the Prusa. Exactly. <laughs> and this was an interesting comparison for me as well. Is it better than a Prusa? We don't know. What makes a, Pru what makes a Prusa better than this machine right here, the Anchor? M5 or yeah, however well, with, it's called. With the Prusa, it's just the, the ecosystem, the experience at this point. Yeah. That you've got absolutely perfect uh, print profiles. Um, you get Prusa slicer and it just all, it just clicks together and you don't have mm. to like tweak or, or, or mess with stuff. Mm. So if they can pull that off with their, since they have their own anchor make slicer, I would hope that they have profiles built into that that really work mm. well. If they can do, I mean, the, here's the thing: Anchor are sort of like a, a an upper mid tier brand, um, like good stuff, decent decent stuff, not super perfect. I mean, I've had Anchor products, I've had some of their their earlier Bluetooth speakers, and they they worked well, but they sounded like garbage. Um, Anchor usually makes a a solid product, from my experience, and I would hope that they deliver on that with their 3D printer mm. as well. Well, at least they have the funding and a company in the background that 
where there is a chance that they do it properly in the end. And maybe they also deliver an ecosystem that works, a slicer that's regularly updated, a well-working connection to the printer. I don't know, regular updates to the AI recognition system, an app that does not suck. Um, and this will be, well, great for everyone in the end because it's, it adds a feature that other machines don't have at the moment and might make them popular for other machines as well. And, yeah. um, it, it shows what can work and maybe what can't in the end. Yeah. Of course, we've ranted about whether Kickstarter is the correct platform for um, big companies like this, but mm. I, I kind of don't want to get into that now. We've, I think we've talked about that <laughs> plenty of times. Um, but Definitely. it seems to work. I mean, three and a half million. Let me just refresh the page how far up it's it's currently. Um, yeah, still uh, almost almost four million US dollars now. It, the, the success seems to prove them right, so... I don't. I don't know if, if launching it a different way would have been would have been better for them. I don't think so. I don't think so either because this is creating a lot of hype around the machine. Yeah, we're and... talking about it right now. So, like, yeah. <laughs> what more could they wish for? Yeah. So yeah, I hope they deliver. It's there is a brand in the background. That's I think also one of the reasons why people trusting them and yeah. putting their hard all earned dollars into, into such a kickstarter project hey and, um, you've, and you've got uncle jesse vouching for them so that's good yeah let's yeah. see let's see how good it really is in the end yeah and what we can learn from them yeah if if new players throws up the market that that's that's good in either case so one question for this episode uh that we found from martin martin uh, asking about your, your volcano adapter, Stefan. What if the volcano adapters were made out of copper? So um, currently, currently they're made out of brass, right? Yeah. Um, standard machine wool brass. Um, yep. And I guess the thought behind this is copper just conducts heat better. I think he is asking, uh, well, of course, um, conductivity, but also um, due to the problems that we had with the material properties degenerating at, at higher temperatures. True. I think with copper would definitely help with conductivity because it has a higher uh, um, uh, thermal, thermal conductivity, conductivity yeah. but the brass is not the limiting factor. It's the speed, the heat uh, that goes into It's the speed at which the heat goes into the material. Yeah, so I think it would not really... The, the plastic. Exactly. I think it wouldn't really help with, with melt rates. Um, I think it would help with the, the problem that we had, uh, with, uh, strength. But in the end, copper is definitely more expensive and harder to machine than, uh, than brass. Yeah. Also that, well, copper is also an extremely soft material. Um, of course, there's different uh, copper alloys that change mm. that and make it harder or more bendable or however mm. you want. But copper, I guess if you if you even try to tighten that down with like a hex insert, that's probably gonna strip after two or three times. Um, yeah, maybe. So um, that could be that you could be introducing more issues than you're solving with that. Maybe, uh, and then I think you also have the oxidation problem that copper oxidizes sure. very quickly, uh, which is also one of the reasons why the all of the copper nozzles and copper heater blocks are um, nickel plated. Yeah. 
I don't know if that's just the looks or if um, that will slowly degenerate, for example, in, in the melt path. I don't know. I, I don't think it would be. Well, well, basically, you're saying the, the material might erode the copper out or corrode the copper mm, out, basically. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know if... It, if reasons, uh, if the reason why nozzles and hydro blocks, copper hydro blocks are nickel plated due to that they don't, would not look nice, uh, after like the second print anymore, yeah. turning from the red color to just the black, or if they are and reasons to, yeah, to, to limit the oxidation. I, I think for something like a, like a hydro block, it's literally just the looks, um, yeah. I'm. I think it's mostly looks too. Um, it's mm. just you know, the thing is, if you have like fingerprints and uh, filament bits on there, mm. it's not even going to give you like a, an even black oxidization coating. Uh, yeah. It's just going to be super spotty and and nasty essentially. <laughs> um, of course, with with like a nickel coated uh, material, if you have that as an insert. Um, yeah. you're, you're adding thickness, sure. Um, yeah. but that might also flake off. Um, if you apply forces to it with uh, with a wrench mm. or something, that could also start flaking off and, and giving you issues there. But the electroless ni nickel, on the one hand, is a re really very thin layer. It's just like a couple of micrometers, and it usually bonds quite well to the okay. base material if you clean it properly before. So, I I would need to think, but I think I have never really chipped. A lot of nickel from my copper nozzles or copper helo blocks. Okay. So I think that works very well. And it's a well established process in industry to, uh, for corrosion protection, for reducing, uh, wear and for reducing, uh, the, uh, the friction on the surfaces. Yeah. yeah. So you get a nickel doesn't oxidize that much. So it, it stays smooth and shiny. Though yeah. that, <laughs> That might actually be uh, be something interesting. So uh, I think E3D actually um, produced their heat breaks and nozzles to a specific roughness. They don't want it, they don't want a mirror finish mm. in there because mm. otherwise you're just going to get suction onto onto that yeah. surface, um, <laughs> kind of like a, a suction cup just sticking to yeah. that mirror finish. Um, so they have a, a defined roughness to that. Mm. So uh, maybe maybe a really shiny nickel coating there could actually be detrimental to to friction and to force required to push filament maybe maybe but i think it, it would not really be noticeable in comparison okay. to the every, the rest of the every, drag that you have in there everything else that's <laughs> yeah. going on yeah all right we made it who we made it uh thank you very much for your time thank you very much for your time listeners and viewers if you have questions put them down in the YouTube comments, tweet at us at the Melt Zone. If you want to support us, head over to our Patreon accounts, which are linked down in this, the description. And we hope to see you in the next one. Right. Hear you in the next one. Thank you for your time, Stefan. And we'll see yeah. you then. Bye. Auf Wiedersehen. <laughs>